Welcome to Kuden, the radio show and podcast for self-defense and martial arts news, interviews, techniques, and history. Hosted by Sheehan Jeffrey Miller and Shidoshi Eric White. Sheehan Miller is a 13th degree black belt and master instructor of Warrior Concepts International in Sunbury, Pennsylvania. Shidoshi Miller's martial arts career spans over 30 years and has taken him around the world to train with some of the world's best martial arts masters. Shidoshi Eric White has been a student of Sheehan Miller's for over a decade. Together, they will answer your questions, discuss techniques, history, and current issues important to you, the self-defense-minded citizen and the practicing martial artist. Submit your questions by email to warriorc at warrior-concepts-online.com. Hi there, and welcome to another episode of Kuden. This makes uh, 41, if I'm counting on all my 41. Yeah. Wow. Oh. Wow. Yeah, we saw that at 13 a bunch of a while ago, and because uh, we were meeting in your uh, in the radio station, yeah, we worked here locally, and that was that was a scheduling nightmare occasionally. That was always but, tough. Uh, yeah, that was always tough. But anyway, so this weekly thing, we were just flying right along. Coming yeah, up this here is on the working out year. great. Yeah, well, it's yeah. working out good for you cool. and me, and everybody else is just <laughs> well, you know, it, it's still it's good times for some people, not good for others. That's why we record it. So, yeah, and I know uh, last week I think Robert was asking about uh, where he could get all these past episodes, and I think we're still kind of trying to figure out how we can get these up to maybe iTunes or something where we can. Yeah, it's on my schedule kind of to create an archive. Uh, to, develop a, to develop an iTunes channel uh, next week. So um, yeah, I'm firing through this stuff. So um, gonna get it up there. So as soon as it's Excellent. there and as soon as it's ready. You've got a number of things uh, coming up. I know uh, we were just talking briefly before we began the program about a new YouTube channel you're going to be starting. That's, yeah, that's I'm sitting really cool. here in my in my suit. Well, I have more than <laughs> one suit, but I'm sitting here um, because I was just uh, recording a bunch of videos for uh, the workplace violence side of things. And you're absolutely right. I'm, I'm uh, going to be launching a new uh, YouTube channel on Monday. Uh, well, it'll probably be up over the weekend, but it'll, I'll officially launch it on Monday. Uh, it's called Strategy, Strategy and Tactics TV because I, on many occasions, have been called have been called the Strategy and Tactics guy. So I'm just going to own that. Uh, but Strategy and Tactics TV, and it's actually, uh, well, I don't know how many of the folks uh, that listen to this would be interested, but if they're in a leadership position, uh, it's really focused on the workplace violence thing, right? So. Uh, really focused on workplace violence, so uh, it's really designed for the uh, the leaders in the C-suite and um, who else? Uh, VPs, business owners, those folks that uh, you know really have control of the budget and can actually put this kind of training in place. But anyway, uh, so what I'm really going to be focusing on is what I call the missing link in uh, in the whole workplace violence paradigm, which is really my strengths, right? I mean, uh, you know, there's prevention. Most companies that have anything, that being said, 70% of companies don't have anything at all. But those companies that do have things, uh, most of them, you know, they've got uh, prevention things, zero tolerance policies, banned weapons, blah, 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 blah. Um, but they're all missing, all of but maybe 2 or 3% are missing, uh, you know, what I'm now calling Plan B. Right? What happens when mm. your prevention stuff fails and, uh, you know, you have to deal with it, right? So, uh, yeah, so I was shooting a bunch of videos and uh, I'll have that set up. Uh, going to be setting it up over the weekend. And uh, so anybody that's interested in that, I know a couple of weeks ago, Perry had asked a question about what we teach uh, nurses. So anybody that's, 
you don't have to be a leader. I mean, you don't have to be one of those folks. You don't have to be an executive VP or a, a chief nursing officer or anything like that. I mean, if you if you have an interest in in uh, knowing more about things or some of the hints and tips I'm going to be throwing out uh, on that channel, by all means, go there. So, um, like I said, it's going to be called Strategy and Tactics TV. So uh, now I didn't even look into the uh, into the uh, availability on YouTube if that's uh, even open yet, but um, I'm going to make it happen. Cool. I have to go and stalk and kill somebody if they already have it. But anyway. <laughs> I, I I think it's open because when you sent it to me, I already you know went out searching for it, thinking I could be one of the first subscribers, and it wasn't up there yet. So I don't. Know oh, so it is available. Fantastic. I think so. Fantastic. Yeah. All right. So. <laughs> Uh, I, today's a killer day. Tuesdays and Fridays are killer for me just because of the way we schedule things. Uh, so I will uh, get on, jump on that and create that uh, as quickly as possible. So, yeah, cool. Very cool. Looking forward Very to fun. seeing that. That's that's going to be great. And, uh, me too. That'll be awesome. Know, speaking right to those <laughs> folks as well, like you say, the executives, they, they, they understand the words, you know, strategy and tactics, but, you know, not quite in the context. Uh, you'll well, be and that's the big thing with, with, with the – that's the big thing with – uh, especially, and this goes for anybody that, that has a training group, that has a, that, you know, they're, they have a dojo or, I don't know, you, you deal with anybody, right? Learn to speak people's listen, right? Uh, if you, you need to understand the context by which they process things. Uh, and, you know, we, we have uh, courses out there and stuff that kind of have this in it a little bit here or there. Um, but um, uh, I, I cover this a lot, learning to speak somebody's listen. Uh, but to be able to do that, the first thing you have to do is listen to them when they communicate and listen in for things like the, you know, uh, different types of phrases that they use, the sensory receptor that they tend to process the world with more, and um, it's all science behind it. But, yeah, so I want to be able to talk to them. But the biggest thing that, that talks to them is things like liability control and reputation and, and uh, really – what I have to do is re-educate people so that they don't see this as an expense. And I'm not, I'm not using the cliche, don't see it as an expense, see it as an investment. Uh, no, and I'm not even talking about an investment. How about if we just help the company save money that would otherwise be spent on lost time because employee, injured employees are going to take time off or stressed employees are going to take more time off or ones that are in fear of, you know, being bullied or attacked or whatever. Um, recruitment and replacement cost, retraining or training of new people, uh, insurance nightmares, uh, liability and legal issues, whether you end up paying out on something or not. you still got to pay the law team to, to do their thing, right, or the legal team to do their thing. Um, not to mention, you know, personal stress on the leader, per, you know, uh, their own personal reputation, uh, their own standing in the company, uh, you know, what happens if they make a decision or don't make a decision and then something bad happens, where are the eyes going to be pointing? So, see, these are the things that, that I need to, that, that I'm, I'm focusing on, and I've, I've already shot a couple of videos that will be uploaded uh, that either allude to, hint at, or just punch them in the face with that, that reality. So, uh, yeah. yeah, cool. Interesting. So, uh, yeah, All right. That's my new well, we uh, we had planned to talk about uh, Kamai. You were you were kind of mentioning uh, that you know why why today in today's world some of them might mm. not be the best and uh, people are like what do you mean? <laughs> Is yeah. Ocean Elevation 
Kamai are awful. <laughs> don't do them now. Not exactly. Uh, not exactly. Jumped right? the Bujinkan ship, and yeah, yeah. yeah, I shouldn't listen to them anymore. Let me unsubscribe. By all means, unsubscribe. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, uh, no, this, this this really kind of points to how well a given student or practitioner is paying attention, or how much have they slipped over into blind discipleship. Okay, so this is what. It's supposed to be official, and so therefore, here's why, right? So, you know, we would all agree that this stuff works. The question is, is um, why? Why does it work? Okay? And does it still work for the same reasons that it worked in 13th or 15th century Japan, or it still works, but we have to give it a different context? So what I just want to you know, kind of, uh, I don't know, tap people on the earlobe today uh, about was just in, in remembering and recognizing that our taijutsu came from weapon work. It's not the other way around. This isn't like a lot of martial arts where um, it's unarmed and then they add in weapons, right? All of your stuff, uh, all of your taijutsu comes from weapon work, okay? Shoshin no kama in the sanshin, okay? Now imagine yourself holding a spear or a naginata in your hands, and you'll understand why the rear hand has to be where it is, why the thumb has to be parallel to the floor and not, you know, uh, slanted down like a lot of people do it, or the thumb shouldn't be back on the on the side of the hip bone near your ass cheek or whatever. It's just, um, you know, it needs to be uh, uh, it needs to be in a certain place, or you wouldn't be able to hold it. And you know, uh, that makes it structurally sound. A lot of the kamai. Uh, are assumed that you have a sword scabbard held in your left hand, and so as you move through certain kata or you move through certain things like this, sanshin or the kyonapo or whatever, right, your, your non-scabbard holding hand, your right hand, right, since Japan is right-hand dominant, well, most of the world is right-hand dominant, but they just enforce it. So um, where that hand will be able to just naturally draw the sword uh, in passing, right? So... Uh, so, you know, but the, the problem now is that we don't walk around with swords on our left hips. As much as a lot of people would fantasize about how cool that would be, right, um, kind of like people that go to the Ren Fairs and stuff. And I enjoy a good Ren Fair myself, but, um, you know, how many people give much thought to the fact that uh, almost the entire population of Europe way back in the day had lice, you know. So mm. combs were not for dressing up your hair but for picking crap out of your hair. Right, so, uh, or, you know, people were dying of dysentery and people wore overcoats because urine and feces were being thrown out of windows uh, via buckets onto the streets. And so, you know, um, that, that would have been lovely, huh? But anyway, yeah. uh, so you know, people tend to fantasize about things, and, of course, they have no idea what it is that they're fantasizing about. They have snapshot images. And so, you know, we have these things, but... You know, as a former police officer, I can tell you, if you go walking around town with a spear or a naginata or a sword or whatever, even if you were going to class, somebody, somebody's going to call the cops. Right? That's yeah. why we have these gear bags that it keeps it out of sight and people don't really know what it is. Or other martial artists might go, oh, okay, I bet he's in a, in a kudo class or I bet he's in a, you know, whatever. Right? But for most people, it's just carrying an odd bag. That's really weird. I wonder what's in there. But if you carried it out in the open, oh, somebody's calling the cops, right? So um, it's just, it's out of place, right? It's out of context, right? 
Does that mean that we should not train with it? No, of course not, because you might be able to pick up something that's like that traditional thing and put it into use, right? But, uh, you know, if we think about using Shoshi no Kamai or Bobi no Kamai, right, the Koto Ryu, uh, where we've got this, this rear hand uh, at the rear hip and the lead hand's out in front, okay, well, the lead hand makes sense, right, because I might be fending the person off, I might be calming them down, um, whatever, I could put a knife in that hand. But without these long weapons, you know, where we'd be holding it, why would I put my hand there in an unarmed confrontation where I don't have a weapon, I don't have a, a broom or a, you know, garden rake or whatever, I don't have anything like that. Um, I'm not choosing Bobi or Shushi no Kamai um, to put myself into because it would be stupid, right? And I know that's, you know, you said I was going to rub the people the wrong way. Now I'm rubbing salt in the wound. Um, it's stupid because I just took one of my hands and moved it twice as far away from his targets as I would have it if it was just in a normal boxer position, right? Why would I do that, right? Well, you know me, and I taught most of you guys to do the same thing. That's where we keep our clip knife, right, on the corner of the front mm -hmm. pocket. So... If, I, if you see my hand back there, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, right? Now, if I know that you listen to my show or that you uh, are one of my students and I put my hand back there, just know that I'm not going for what you think I'm going for. I'm dragging your mind along with me, right? <laughs> but I, I've given myself a reason for that come-I to be applicable because I'm reaching for something. But maybe it's not there. Maybe we're passing through on the way to getting our wallet. Maybe... We have, right. a, a, you know, a, a firearm on our hip. We're security, we're military, we're law enforcement. Uh, we've got a CCW, right, uh, a concealed carry uh, weapon. And so uh, I have a reason to go for that. See, it still involves weapons, but the weapon is drastically different from what it was uh, 900, 1500, 2000 years ago. Right? It's completely different, right? So it's still the same connection. But what, what I really want to do is kick people in the butt with my Tommy, uh, which I'm not wearing at the moment. These shoes will be a little bit harder, um, to, to think about why, right? Now, of course, you, you learn the techniques and everything, and you learn, learn things. But if you're going to be applying things in 21st century America or the U.K. or, you know, Germany, wherever you are, right, um, yeah. <laughs> it has to make sense today. Right? Otherwise, we are doing nothing but training ourselves to be museum curators. Right? It's a hobby. It's an interest. It's a cool thing that I do. But it's, yeah, I'm not, I'm, I, and I wouldn't say that if you just learn the stuff traditionally, you can't defend yourself. Right? I'm not going to say that because you have all these skills. But I also wouldn't say the high school wrestler or, uh, you know, somebody like that can't defend themselves. But it's not they're not training for self-defense, right? It's a contest. They're, they're training for a completely different reason, right? But they still might be able to protect themselves because they've got some moves, right? So, uh, you know, I'm not going to tell you that you're wasting your time, but you really need to think about why it is that you're doing what you're doing. And, of course, our focus on the show is self-protection. So that's always going to be my go-to place, right? So anyway, but, yeah, that's what I wanted, I wanted to toss out there was just um, – Taking a look at the Kamai and, uh, uh, you know, take a look at the, the historical 
contexts that the Kumai themselves were built from weapon use and being strong and able to move and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, but the, the, while the, the weapons that gave birth to the Kumai, you know, did what they did, they're not, we're not carrying those things around anymore. So here's yeah. the question, right? Are the Kumai still valid as they are, or do we have to find another reason, like those kind of little inferences that I gave, that keep them relevant, right? How does it translate into the 21st century? So, yeah, so that's my big thing. Uh, as a matter of fact, this morning in, in my uh, coaching call with my Friday uh, long-distance guys, uh, I've got two groups, one that meets Tuesday evenings, uh, Eastern time and one of these Friday mornings. Uh, for the class this morning that we did, uh, we took a look at the Kamai, but we took a look at it from the life trait of uh, bravery and hmm. um, how the Kamai assume that you've got guts. Because if you think about the way the Kamai are set up and what it is that you're conveying when you take up that Kamai, if you are training with your Kamai from a holistic perspective, right? The, the hmm. head's in the game. You've got a strategic uh uh, uh, intention with that Kamai and your heart's involved so you are communicating a specific intent, right? Like in Kosei, right? Anything you put in this bubble right here, I'm going to break it, right? Hoku is the same thing, right? Uh, in Bobi, you're drawing a line in the sand. You cross this line, I'll kill you, right? Same thing with uh, uh, Ichimoji uh, from Gyokoryu, right? Um, I'm so confident I can defend, I can protect myself with my Kamai alone, or I can win with my Kamai alone. But the inference to that also is that if you come in here, I'll kill you. Okay. So, uh, but when I when I look across the room and I see people training, I don't pick that up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whether they're doing soft training or not. Okay. So their heart's not in it and their head's not in it. Their, their head's in it to the extent that they're trying to remember the moves, but. They're only physically taking up the position, so they should stop using the word kamai and start calling it a dachi because a dachi is a stance. Mm. Okay? It's just a physical platform for launching techniques. And while the kamai are that, they're way more. Right? So, again, it's just another one of those little things. So, in, you know, for the show, I thought we'd take a look at you know, the kamai and just toss out the question. Is it still viable? Is it, are, you know, they still not viable? I think they're still viable um, because they're very, very strong positions. Relatively few people out there fight that way. So it gives you a huge, huge advantage. But you have to know what you're doing and you have to understand that, you know, some of those kamai were developed around the fact that you had a pole arm uh, in your hands and that's why the rear hand is in a certain place or whatever. But to do that normally, like some of these people that take up doko no kamai, they're taking this huge position like they have a short sword in their hand. It's way up over their head, but their hand is like, you know, it's twice as far away from the bad guy as it would be if they were in that forward position, even farther if their hand was in an ichimoji position, right? Um, so, you know, in class, we bring you back down into what in Gyokoryu is also called soko no kamai where the hand comes in around the temple or no, no farther back than where your ear is, like you're talking on the phone. So it's still communicating, and it looks like you're wound up and hauling off, like you're going to throw something at the person that you might have in your hands, which also pre, uh, presupposes that you're holding your hand in a way that looks like you have something in it that you can throw. Because if it's balled up and your knuckles are white, they know it's empty, right? So 
um, you know, how do you make it applicable? And, and, you, and you, you have to understand the core principles, the keyhole around fight strategy, good fight tactics, right? Keeping your body behind your weapon, whether you have a weapon or the weapon or your limbs, right? So you're always covered making him have to cross a line. He has to come across over or under one of your limbs or both of your limbs to get at your core targets. Uh, you're making sure that you can move easily and quickly naturally and you're not, you know, you're not spread out. Your legs aren't too far apart. Um, and that's how you train because it works in the dojo. But if you got yourself out on some ice or some sand or loose gravel or whatever, you'd find yourself singing some high-pitched tunes um, mm-hmm. in half a second because your feet would slide out from under you, right? Um, training in different types of clothing, remembering that this stuff was designed around hakama and kimono, not pants. So there are differences, right? Around tabi or bare feet, not around work boots with steel toes, not around Nikes or uh, Converse uh, for basketball or whatever that's going to grip to certain types of surfaces and make pivoting on your feet very, very difficult. Not, uh, well, in some contexts, uh, flip-flops and sandals, but you know, you've been in Japan. They're built differently. Mm-hmm. They're made differently, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, um, you know, without that kind of study and, and research, uh, you know, while it's fine that you're just you're doing whatever your teacher's giving you, if your end result is being able to use this stuff whenever or wherever that, uh, you know, bad things might happen, then you have to think about what you might be wearing in those contexts. Uh, we, we started a four-week women's self-defense uh, course here at the school. They meet uh, every Wednesday night. And uh, this past, uh, was it, uh, yeah, this past Wednesday, it's first class, and all I covered was the, uh, the eight phases of effective self-defense strategy. And see, some of them came in kind of disappointed because they thought they were going to come in kicking butt right off the bat because they wanted to learn moves. Mm. Well, at the end of that class, they now understood the problem that they had to deal with a whole lot more and all of these other tactics and strategies that they had to their, at their disposal, right? So now the next three classes when we do physical things, they understand the context within which those techniques will be applied, and the understanding is you have tried all of these other things to get away or get out of it or de-escalate it or whatever, and now you have no choice. Hmm. Okay, so... Uh, you know, if students aren't being led in this direction, I mean, you and I know. I mean, this is this is one of the reasons why we have a show going, so we can discuss topics like this, things that, yeah. by and large, typically aren't covered in classes because people go to classes to learn cool moves. People set up their classes and their training groups so they can teach cool moves, and so great. Now what? Yeah. So anyway, would you say that it's uh, appropriate that? At a, at a certain level within training, uh, you can begin to kind of develop where you can show one kamai outwardly but have the attitude or heart of a different kamai inwardly? Oh, you know the answer to that. You <laughs> you know the answer to that, right? So what I was just talking uh, to some students about this morning was how, uh, you know, if you read any Patsumi Sensei's books, he had names for kamai that you're not going to find in scrolls because – He's okay. He can he can name things. He can update things and all that, right? But um, there's the concept of kokoro no kamae, right? Kamae the heart. And um, one aspect of kokoro no kamae is 
in just being obvious, right? Get your get the intention out there, right? Um, so you don't even have to be in the physical form, and that spirit kamai can be affecting them. Okay? Mm. For anybody that's following uh, along with me in the Mikyo training, uh, you know they understand this idea of mantra, where we have these power words, where they're not really powerful in and of themselves, um, but they're you know Japanese transliterations of the Chinese transliteration of the original. Sanskrit sentence, right? But mm-hmm. there are these things, right? Uh, and then there's this idea of a bija, seed syllable kind of thing, right? But there's actually five different types of mantra. Did you know that? Did we, did we go over that in your own training? Mm, no? I believe so. Mm-hmm. I think it's been mentioned, okay. but I don't I don't know that I've dived into yeah, the five no, different it's, types. It's okay. When most people think of mantra, it goes with right speech, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's the obvious first-level lesson. Right, hmm. and that's where you're actually reciting these things, right? And then it goes down; it just diminishes until uh, you know you're at a point where you're only thinking, saying the hmm. mantra to yourself in your head. And then there's a level below that where you only have the feeling of the results that you're supposed to be creating. Hmm. And then the final level is you merely desire it to be so, where thought, word, and deed are all one one thing. Okay. So it's the it's the silent mantra where, you know, and it becomes silent when you're no longer saying it out loud, right? So you can say it out loud. You could uh, say it uh, much more quietly, almost like a, not a humming, but that kind of thing, right? Mm. Uh, and then you just close your mouth and say it to yourself inside your head, and you just keep diminishing that way. But the come I work the same way, right? You have these big tricycle or training wheel kind of things, right? I mean, honestly, nobody's going to fight that way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to you have to start somewhere, right? It's this big model. You make a mistake. Uh, as a matter of fact, in one of the dojo where I train in Japan, they call it the, uh, uh, the moron model, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's not a derogatory thing. It's about, look, you know, you have to be a moron to miss the fact that you're making mistakes because this thing is so big, right? Uh, but you're not going to fight that way, right? But it's it's so big that the lessons are so obvious, right? Maybe not, because I'm still seeing lots of people missing the obvious. But anyway, um, so eventually you can get to a point where you just project the intention, right? So you're in Shizen, because that's the ultimate goal anyway. You start with Shizen, you end with Shizen Tai, natural body, right? And so, but... You know, in a, in a verbal argument, you're not going to take up kose, right? Throw another word, I'll crush it. You know, you're not going to take up, uh, you know, whatever, right? So, um, <laughs> that'd be funny, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that might stop the argument. <laughs> yeah, it might. Call the, nut, call the nut farm on you. Anyway, uh-huh. so, uh, but you could, and if anybody has children, right, you know what that's like, where they're, You've already warned them about something and you said, don't let me remind you again. And they start to head in that direction and you give them that look. And it, well, it's not like a look with a smile on your face. It's not a, let me fake the look. You give them that look. Your eyebrows go up. If something changes about your eyes, your intention is right there. Like, go ahead, do that. And they know. They can feel that, right? Mm-hmm. And that creates a result, right? Well, that's still come I. But it's the heart part of the kamai, because the kamai is three parts, right? There's a physical form to it. There's a mental strategy, original intent behind it. And then there's the 
uh, emotional uh, the emotional drive point that which you're communicating to the uh, to the bad guys. So yeah. So anyway, come uh, uh, I I could talk about come I forever. Um, but anyway, yeah. So when we talk about it, um, when we're looking at this thing, what we really want to do is explore it. And you're learning the lessons. But when you're learning the lessons, you can learn historically where it came from. But if you know, and learn it because you might have a push broom or something that you're going to move around like a naginata or a or a Vicento. But at the same time, if that's not the case, then when would you use that kamai? And when would it be dumber than hell to use that come on? Right? Because if you don't know those mm. things, then you really can't use the come on. Right? right? And if you, if you, for whatever reason, you meet up with somebody, uh, we're talking about workplace violence, right? You meet up with somebody and they've done some training in the Bujinkan or they've done some training in whatever martial arts and you know what you're looking at and they take up one of these positions and that's how they're going to fight. You should automatically know that you have extra time, you have extra space, distance, or whatever, because they're, they've moved their weapon way far away from you. So either they're going for something, or they don't know how to use that thing. Hmm. They've learned to use it, but they don't know how to use it. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. They don't understand the context within which to use it. Okay. Uh, one of the one of the references I made during the women's self defense thing was, you know, everybody wants to learn moves, but they're not going to be a graduate of this four-week course and be able to go out and defend themselves against somebody who's bigger, faster, stronger, and intent because they only have some information. They have to train with it and, and get it much more deeply to be able to do that, right? Um, and, you know, the big warning was don't confuse information with knowledge or enlightenment or wisdom, right? Mm. Um, information is just getting data, Right? And lots of people have information, enough to get them hurt. Knowledge is when you can do that thing without having to think about it, like tying your shoes, right? You learn step-by-step how to do it, but the knot was loose, the thing would fall apart, whatever, it you know, wouldn't go together at all. Eventually, you're able to do it. Now you can talk to a friend at the gym after your shower and putting on your sneakers or your shoes or whatever, looking at them and you're tying your shoes, right? You don't have to think about it. Wisdom is being able to do that outside the context that you learned it, right? Knowing that the same bow that I use to tie my shoes is the same bow that I use when I'm wrapping a package or a, a Christmas present or birthday present or whatever, where I want them to be able to pull on one cord and, and it just opens up, right? But at the same time, same thing, you know, we, we were originally taught that a granny knot, which is a mistake, right? Mm-hmm. It's a mistake, right? A granny knot is a bad knot. It's a bad knot because it's not easily undone. But what if I don't care about saving the rope or the ribbon or whatever? What if I don't care, um, you know, that I, I just know. I, I, all I care about is that I want this this battened down really tightly, and when I want to get it undone, I'm going to use my knife. Then a granny knot is perfectly fine, right? It doesn't have to be a clove hitch or a figure of eight or, uh, you know, any of these other Sheep shanker. It doesn't have to be any of these things, right? It can, the granny knot's going to be perfectly fine. Somebody might look at that and go, oh, that's a bad knot, man. That's a granny knot. Yeah, I only cared that this thing was tied down. Well, getting it undone is going to be a, you know, a bitch. Yeah. Click, cut, done. <laughs> right? So, um, what's the context? What's the context? Right? So, 
anyway, wisdom so, is yeah, also it. wisdom is also buying Velcro shoes. Well, see, there you go, right? But then you can't tie your martial arts jacket. I don't know how to do this. I'm buying Velcro shoes. <laughs> well, you see what they did in Taekwondo, right? They just changed the gi jacket altogether where it's just a pullover kind of thing with a little oh, neck. So they don't it's a t-shirt. It, right? it's a, whatever. I don't know. It's a t-shirt anyway. now. Well, yeah, uh, so, we have a I question. Mean, that, but, but wisdom is also knowing when to not use that thing. So it's not just yeah. using it out out of context from the way you learned it. It's also wisdom is knowing when it's appropriate and when it's not appropriate, which is why in our Mikio training we have the word right or correct before mm. certain things, right? But, you know, it doesn't mean right as opposed to wrong. It means appropriate for the given context of the situation, that sure. which will produce the results the fastest, easiest, quickest way. Okay. Sometimes you just punch the guy in the face because your fist is right there. You don't have time for tied to so you just zoom. So anyway, so so we uh, we do have a question uh, came in from Josh on uh, one of our posts on Facebook, and he brings up a picture. He says he forgets where he saw it, but uh, a picture of you, sir, with holding a child in uh, Kamai while facing an attacker. I know this picture. Yeah, the attacker was, was you. Too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were yeah. posing for uh, the EDR program uh, pictures way back in the day. Yeah, and we did another photo shoot way back. Yeah, that was yeah. you. That you was me. That was me. I was the bad guy. Give me that child. And, no. my, and, and that was my daughter Trinity, who is now 16, and no way can be <laughs> whipped up across my torso like that. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. But he asks, you know, thinking about this picture and seeing this picture, he says, you know, it brings up a good point to him. How how would one defend himself with essentially just, you know, one hand or one side or you're carrying a small child or a pet, uh, something that probably can't or shouldn't be thrown, to which I said, hey, who says you can't throw a kid? But maybe that's not the answer, Joe. <laughs> because that's you. <laughs> you can throw a kid. The question is, should you? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, yeah. You can't do that. Yes, I can. I don't want to, and I probably shouldn't. But yeah. if somebody says, you can't do that, yes, I can, and very well. However, <laughs> do I want to or should I? Right. So anyway, uh, so uh, yeah, um, that, that picture came about because uh, the original premise behind it was, you know, we're in a disadvantaged position because I'm walking down the street um, carrying my two-year-old. And I've got her, you know, where my arm's kind of in a, in a loop or whatever, and her butt's sitting on it, and... I have her by the legs, and, you know, she's resting her arms on my shoulders and that kind of thing. Next thing I know, bad guy comes in. Well, see, if I take the time to set my daughter down, bad guy comes in and kicks me in the face or mm -hmm. does something or whatever. But at the same time, you know, if my daughter's panicking or what if, you know, you you have a child. I mean, he's much older now, but remember those days when, uh, you know, they were having a good time getting carried by dad, and you go to put them down because you need to get something. I don't care if it's their keys and you don't lock the car, whatever it is, and he just doesn't want to be put down. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, now you have a major problem, right? It's not cut and dry like, I will put my child down and then kick this guy's butt, pick up my child, and continue walking. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think so. Right? Yeah. Huh. You know, what if your child's sleeping? What if, you know, whatever? There's all kinds of context, right? So what the picture demonstrates is me going from Shizen Back into Bobi no Kamai, speaking of Bobi, or a Bobi derivative, very, very quickly so that my daughter's moral response kicks in and she grabs my shirt and stiffens up her body. So I'm actually holding her on my hip in that position 
So now she becomes very light. She's holding on. She could be screaming, but at the same time, I'm in a defensive position, which brings her body as close to mine, which means I don't have a balance issue. I don't have a maneuverability issue. She's not any more of a target than any other part of me is. I didn't try to put her down first, those kind of things, right? Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, no, uh, yeah, it it all works, right? So there's strategy and strategical and tactical reasons for doing that and doing it that way, and it takes into account her natural response to that quick panic of being dropped where she just grabs on, right? Fantastic. Now I don't have to try to hold on to her. She's helping. I mean, I I am holding, but she's helping, right? So, Mm -hmm. yeah, the thing to remember is that you better be good on your weak side or on your strong, whichever side, you know, the opposite side of the one that you're holding that person thing, whatever it is that you can't put down or can't drop, um, you better be strong with the, with, the, with the other side, the off side, okay, because that's what you're going to be stuck using, right? So this is another reason for making sure that you practice absolutely everything that you do on both sides and to the degree and I got this from a, from a shihan in Japan, right? And to the degree that you are so good with both sides that a master standing across the room while you're training cannot find your weak side. Mm. When they watch you do it on both sides, they can't see a difference. Now, you could be equally shitty on both sides. I guess that would still count. But um, <laughs> we, we want to be good enough so that you're strong and powerful enough. And you have so no strong so. side. <laughs> You had no strong side. You're all weak sides. <laughs> You're weak, weak rounded. You're just weak rounded. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, <laughs> I'm glad we got some humor back into this thing. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Um, uh, so uh, the important and critical pieces are making sure that you you are understanding profiling your body because every every uh, mistake that you make that you might make in class where you bring your torso around and present targets. Um, Hmm. If you're carrying a child or you're carrying, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, I guess a pet you could put down or whatever, I'm going to stick to children because to me that would be more valuable to a a person or a parent than, you know, if if it's your favorite lamp that your grandma gave you and that's more important than your life, then you have priority problems. So, uh, but anyway, we'll say it's your kid, right? So when you're when you're training in class, and you know you don't have that person in your hands, right? Maybe instead of saying, "Oh, be careful turning your torso in," right? You're presenting targets. Um, maybe I should just remind all the parents in class that when you turn your torso like that, your kid's going to get punched instead of you. Maybe that'll keep them more profiled, mm, right? Yeah. So uh, you know you want to make not make those alignment mistakes. Uh, you want to watch your your balance and make sure that you're carrying yourself so that your uh, your spine is over your feet. You've got that ears over shoulders, shoulders over hips, hips over feet kind of thing. Mobility is very uh, easy when we have our balance. You're not moving from the shoulders down, which I see a lot from folks. Um, you're not breaking the uh, the hip alignment, right? Remember that your hip is uh, the place where your torso plugs into your uh, legs and, and your hips, your, your sacral joint, that area, right? That whole area right there is the biggest joint in your body. Now, not the sacral joints themselves, but where the spine plugs into the top pelvic assembly, right, where we fold in half, that kind of thing. We slightly fold from there, but we fold from where the legs plug into the, into the uh, torso, right? Biggest joint we have. Um, and so we want to make sure that our butt's not sticking out, we're not pitched, we're not leaning forward, uh, you know, whatever, right? Uh, because you're going to be carrying this extra weight, 
You'd be surprised. Even if you have a newborn, right, that extra five to eight pounds can do a lot if you have balance problems with your basic kind of two when you're not mm. carrying anything at all, right? So, uh, yeah, uh, you have to be very, very uh, aware that you don't just, again, this goes back to the come-I thing we were talking about and using things in context and um, making sure that you're using come-I that fit the situation. You want to make sure you're using techniques that fit the situation. So you're probably going to keep one side leading the entire time, until, or at least until you can put that child down or that object down, uh, because if you change sides, they're now your shield, right? They're now on the leading edge. So we have to keep moving, right? Um, if they're panicking and jumping all over the place, right, we're going to have to be able to neutralize that. And that neutralization is, is done by relaxing the knees, the ankles, and the hips, not by trying to hold on to them tighter, okay? The, the, the more work you do with your upper body, the more your legs lock in to secure and stabilize for the upper body to do work. So uh, so uh, we want to make sure that the, the hips and the knees and the ankles are bent and relaxed and continually bending um, so that um, they're acting more like shock absorbers than uh, hmm. stilts. Um, what else? And kind of speaking of mobility, too, you had recently shared a post uh, that somebody had written kind of about um, – I think it really was going back to like movement and how you know when we're when we're younger we can power through some of these techniques to kind of make them work. But as as the body ages, um, you know proper proper positioning and all of that matters much more, and and things start to look different. Which you know certainly we talk a lot about uh, people who try to just emulate what they see maybe uh, Hatsumi Sensei doing like well that's that's what he's doing it's so I'm going to I'm going to do it like he does it forgetting that there's a whole world of difference not, not only yeah, you, age, you're going to do it the way you think he does it but you're not yeah. going to do it like he does it because you're not 80 something right? right you haven't been doing this stuff for 50 60 70 years you no you're not going to do it like he does it right you're going to do it like you do it after you've gone through the same process he has and come out on the other side with the same kind of understanding. But even then, you're not going to do it like he does it. You're going to do it like you do it. Yeah. Right? And he's been teaching that for decades. Right? So um, everybody wants to be a model. Everybody wants to be the, I don't know, the copy or something like that. And w what that really is, is doing is, is shoving themselves into the shu level of training, right? There's the three levels of training, shu ha di, right? Shu uh, is, is the stage where we copy the teacher. And that's right and appropriate, right? You do it that way. Yeah, yeah, but what if my teacher's got lots of flaws? Doesn't matter. You can't do it anyway, so at least do it that way, and hopefully your teacher's still training and they'll fix things, and then you'll continue to fix things or whatever. And then the ha level, right, the second level, uh, is the level where you break the form, right? And that's mm -hmm. where you can do henka and all kinds of things like that, right? Um, because you're trying to figure out what works, what doesn't work, what's a good henka, what's not a good henka, all those kind of things. And then the V level is that's just void that's personalization that's um that's why has me since it doesn't look like he's doing the same martial art that everybody else is doing right well lots of people are doing it like hatsumi sensei because well see it's easier mm. maybe okay so anyway uh 
Yeah, so just uh, again, this goes back to understanding the key core lessons because this is like defending against multiple attackers, right? If you're defending against two attackers, I've heard this over and over again, and I see it in articles and, and things where people say, ooh, man, that's going to be twice as difficult. No, it isn't. From my experience, it's four or five times more difficult, right? Because they're not controlled by one brain, right? So, uh, you know, you have limbs and, and things and alignments that are that are all different. It's not twice as difficult. So if, you know, if, Whatever you have with your taijutsu, when you're holding another living being who can move, right? Um, or maybe it is something you can't put down. I don't know. Maybe you're in bomb disposal and you got some jack wagon trying to get at you because he has a death wish for everybody, um, and you can't put it down. Who knows? I don't, I don't know what it is, right? Or you're more afraid. <laughs> it would go back to the bravery thing I was talking about before, right? You're more afraid of your wife being angry at you because you, she, you dropped her grandmother's vase or... Uh, lamp than you are of this bad guy, right? So can't drop the vase, right? <laughs> um, whatever it is, right? But until you can put that thing down, you're going to have uh, balance issues. You're going to have to neutralize the extra weight on one side of your body that you're not used to carrying. You're going to have to neutralize that movement if they're scrambling around, uh, if they're tensing up. You're going to have to deal with the screaming that they may be doing, right? I don't mean the bad guy. I mean your child, Right. Yeah. Um, you're gonna have to deal with the fact that you are you're you know when you go into this um, adrenal response, uh, muscles are now shaking. Right. Um, you're burning up the glycogen very very quickly. Right. Every seven to eleven seconds, your muscles are gonna go into a hold pattern, but they're still struggling and, and dancing around. So you're gonna get weaker very very quickly because you're cooking off an inordinate amount of energy. Right. That's why we need to have things over within two to ten seconds. But you're mm. cooking this stuff off, right? Uh, you're you're going to be sweating profusely, right? Uh, which could just mean that it's your palms and maybe the inside of your arms or whatever. If it's in the summertime, you know, it might be skin on skin. That could cause slippage. But at the same time, if you're sweating through your T-shirt or your clothing that way and it's now becoming harder and harder for the child to hold on, you have an, yeah. you know, you have an issue that way, right? What about the child's clothing? Right? When I uh, pulled Trin into that position, I had her in a very specific position. But if, um, you know, their clothes are too big for them or whatever, right, or they're wearing bulky fall or winter clothing because it traps in heat better or whatever, right, and I go to shift into a position that way, they may slide right out of my arms. And now mm. I may be stuck in that moment between psychologically knowing I need to stay focused on this guy and emotionally having my heart ripped out because I just dropped my child on their head. Yeah. Okay? These are things that people don't think about. Okay? But we're going to have to deal with it. Okay? So, you know, again, you know, it's, it's easy to go through the scrolls and learn techniques, uh, learn the Kamai, learn, you know, this stuff, but it's all being learned in a vacuum. Right? So we really need to be careful. Careful, careful, careful. Well, we've got some time for questions. I see some people are on the uh, on the call here. We can open it up to questions. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, but uh, a bunch of folks over on the webcast side. I saw that Tim popped in earlier and he signed in. Uh, looks looks like there's I don't know, a handful of other ones over there. So if you find the text block there and sign in, um, I think we need to take. And we're in interactive mode now, so so maybe not. I muted somebody else. There we go. 
somebody called in from, it says Middleburg, but I don't know if that's truly where they are. Hello? 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 Who is that? <laughs> it's me. Who, who's me? <laughs> it's me. Steve. Steve Davis. Oh! <laughs> right it there. chuckles is who it is. <laughs> I'm listening in that's as I'm working. <laughs> So that's why. Yeah. How you been? I'm on a mobile pantry. I'm doing good. I'm on a mobile pantry uh, with my job, and we serve people in uh, the greater Indianapolis area, providing uh, food for people that are uh, in need. So I'm in need. What I'm doing? I was just kind of listening in. Oh, fantastic! Yeah. Awesome. Any any questions or comments about anything? Uh, Talking to you. That's what's going on. <laughs> I was just thinking about how to transfer that from what you taught me into. Um, I've been thinking a lot about how I'm trying to transfer from imitating and to that those other two processes you were talking about um, along the way here. I haven't haven't yet had anybody to train, but I've got some guys that are interested in training with me. So I haven't got that off the ground yet, but I don't want to lose anything I learned, but that's why I call in so I can listen in and get my memory refreshed. Well, one of my first first suggestions for breaking things, which kind of enters the whole Henka realm, uh, which everybody seems to be all hell-bent on rushing to, but um, would be to – uh, just look at your look at your you know your keyhole techniques, and then just start doing substitution. So if you're doing um, if it if it calls for a omote shito, right, palm up nice hand, do an urashito to the other side, or uh, come in with an elbow strike, or you know a knife hand or something like that to the ribs, or trade out the the follow up punch with a kick um, instead of doing whatever counter-strike you were taught to the incoming arm as a, as a beginning thing, right? Switch it out. Instead of doing, I don't know, if you were taught to do the circular counter-strike first, then do the swatting counter-strike. If, uh, you know, you worked through that one, then do the do the, uh, the, the swatting or the chopping counter-strike that we do from Doko or uh, whatever, right? Do it as a, a soft receiving uh, arm. Uh, don't right. counter-strike at all and see how that changes things up, right? So, uh, yeah, but what what we're really doing is exploring. So what you're going to learn through that development phase is what it's it's a karmic chain, right? What what does this thing do to them? And then if I change this and strike something different, does it still do the same thing, or does it do something completely different? Because the henka requires right. that the same thing is the same result is being produced, even though you're doing something different, right? So right. Um, Otherwise, it's not going to have the same name. It's not a henka of stay on. Right. Uh, it's something completely different. Right. So, yeah. But you can start with that. Uh, you do it when you're doing your your sanchin, right? Which you should be doing every day, right? Just nod with me. You can do it. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, so you know, instead of doing, um, you. are welcome. Instead, <laughs> instead of doing, I'm multitasking uh, here. I'm talking to people it's and okay. talking to you at the same time. <laughs> it's all right. So instead of doing the pendulum striking uh, with the um, 
you know, with the, the Sanshin uh, Kinken or instead of doing Boshiken or whatever, maybe you're stepping in uh, in a way where because it's going to be close range, you're coming up with a lifting elbow instead uh, or you're coming up with an uppercut instead or yeah. Yeah. Uh, whatever, right? Um, come in and swing your, your leg for a kick the same way we would swing the arm from the shoulder. Right? Same idea, right? You're just getting the same thing, but you're just kind of switching it up. And then do the same thing with all the other models. That'll keep you busy for a while. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, that last bin right there, cool. put in the trash. Sorry. <laughs> okay, I'm going to mute you back out. I'm going to mute you back out for a bit. Okay. That's okay. fine. I, I, I lost it. <laughs> we don't need to hear everybody else that's in the food line. All right, cool. So uh, anybody else? I don't see any other questions on the website. Wow. Just stalkers. A whole bunch of them. Just stalkers. Stunned we should put on silence. the hats and just be dancing monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> just here for the entertainment, man. You sound cool. I like anything ninja. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> well, I can't wait to see uh, the strategies and tactics TV get uh, get rolling out. That's exciting. Yeah, cool. Well, me too. Well, hopefully it all comes together. <laughs> It'll be good. It'll be good. So um, everybody, will, I don't know, they'll get a chance to see it. Because all, all the videos and, and all that, because it's it's designed primarily for the corporate mindset, uh, I will not be in a gi, I will not be in a jimbawari, I will not be in a t-shirt. Uh, I'm going to be in a suit. So, oh, well, uh, because, then I'm not you know, watching. The yeah. side of well, fair enough. You know, I didn't like <laughs> you anyway. So, <laughs> uh, so anyway, yeah, it's all good. Um, I did have an announcement here, and I have to double-check my wife's um, schedule, and not because of her schedule. Uh, my wife is slated for surgery on the 15th, so not next Friday, oh. but the Friday after. It's not life-threatening yeah. or anything like that. It's a, just a touch up from something that was done before and uh, so I have to figure out when that is uh, because I'm I'm the, I'm the be there guy kind of thing right and I told my mm-hmm. my morning uh, coaching group the same thing so if the schedule works out uh, I'm not going to sit I'm not the kind of guy to sit around the, the waiting room and just you know wait uh, I'll be doing something so if the schedule works out then I'm all for jumping on you know doing a we'll be doing Kuden 43 then uh if not mm-hmm. then uh we'll, we'll have to get to that one and then the 29th the, the end of the month uh, i'm actually taking off i'm taking a week of vacation between christmas and new year's as i usually do so um i will not be on to do a kuden on the 29th so you and i will have to discuss things and see if i don't know uh we do a guest uh kind of thing and you interview them or uh, we just don't do one okay yeah Either way, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll okay. figure that out. Sounds yes, good. All right. So if there are no other questions or comments, you do your radio thing, and uh, we'll close this thing okay. out. Okay. Well, yeah. Thank you uh, again for everybody uh, joining us on Kuden. We'll uh, we'll talk to you next time. And, again, uh, look for some posts on our Facebook page. That's the best place to get a hold of us. Uh, if you've got questions, like Josh's question came in through our Facebook page uh, for today, but you can always reach out through uh, through Facebook and look for the links to past episodes, and as well as get notifications on when the next one is uh, is coming up. So thanks again for oh, oh, joining oh. us. And don't oh, forget yeah. Dicomiosai, January fifth, sixth, and seventh. Almost forgot. That's right. That's right. New Year's kickoff seminar 
yeah. January 5th, 6th, and 7th. We were also doing a dinner that night to kind of celebrate Husby Sensei's birthday a little late, my birthday, and just we're going to set some goals that weekend uh, for our yearly training, not just for our, our group. Everybody in there will establish their own. You know you know how this thing works, right? And yeah. uh, so uh, you know, it's just a good kickoff, yes, pun intended, uh, for <laughs> 2018 to make that uh, just a phenomenal year where your growth is – more than it has been in the last five years. How about if we just say that? Okay. okay. So, yeah. Good. Let's make cool. it happen. All right. Cool. Join us again next time on Kuden. Thank you for listening to Kuden, the podcast for self-defense and martial arts news, interviews, techniques, and history. For more information on upcoming martial arts seminars, camps, and classes with Sheehan Miller, or to submit a question or discussion topic to the show, call 570-884-1118 or visit warrior-concepts-online.com.